0: Good morning, Edinburgh. Brooke. Hey, it's good to be here with you guys, uh, with you all. Um, uh, and I also want to say, hey, if you're watching online, we're glad you're tuned in as, as well. Uh, I know during this time of, of COVID, many of us are, are watching online. Just say, hey, we're glad that you're with us. Maybe you even want to let us know where you are watching from today. It'd be great to, to hear from all of you. Uh, but we are in a series right now called Always Prepared. Um, We kicked it off last week. Uh, We said that God wants us to be prepared. He he wants us to be equipped. He wants us to be ready both to step into opportunities that God will put in our way, doors that God will open for us, but also to be able to handle challenges and and, and things. It's not a matter of, you know, if. It's a matter of when we're going to experience challenges in this world. But God gives us his word to help prepare us and help us to be ready for when those times Uh, come. And we said last week that when we're prepared, uh, we can live life with less fear, we can live with less anxiety, we can live with less worry. And ultimately, I believe if we are prepared for life by God's Word, you and I are going to be able to enjoy the adventure that God has called us to here in this this world. And this morning, we're going to deal with this topic, prepared to share my faith. Prepared to share my faith. Uh, Many Years ago, uh, I went out fishing with some buddies, and we got out on the lake, and I was excited to, to, to fish. I had just bought some new lures, and I hadn't fished for, for a long time, so I was really excited to actually uh, catch, some, catch some fish, but my, my buddies were not so excited as I was, and so we got out on the lake, they started blaring music, uh, they were talking politics, sports, everything else. And I, here I am trying to fish, and we're not catching a thing. We were out there for hours, seemed like almost all day. Didn't catch a thing. So finally, they went back to shore. We had some other friends that were hanging out on shore. I said, I'm going to just take the boat out by myself and see if I can catch anything. So I go back out uh, onto, this, onto this lake. And uh, it wasn't too, too long afterwards. We had almost all just given up uh, where I snagged my first bass. I snagged a pretty good size, uh bass. And then a a little while later, uh, I I snagged uh, another pretty decent-sized bass, and I realized my friends were the problem. And so I just kept throwing a cast out, and eventually I caught a northern and caught some crappie. And it turned out to be this great fishing experience. I had almost given up, but I didn't. And so I ended up uh, having, having a great time catching fish that day. You know, Jesus says something very interesting in Matthew 4. He says this. He says, come follow me. And he's talking to, to all of us, to all of us, wherever we're at today. He's saying, come follow me, Jesus said. And he says, I will send you out to fish for people. This is one of the things that Jesus calls us to. As his followers, he wants to teach us how to be fishers of people. Meaning, how can we tell people about Jesus and and, and be effective in ministry in such a way that other people want to follow Jesus as well? In other words, how can we share our faith with others? Jesus says he will teach us. As his followers, how to do this. We talked last week. This is the mission, in fact, uh, that he has, has given us all. And it's very interesting. This morning I want us to look at something that the Apostle Paul says in the book of Philemon. You know, this isn't a book we look at often. It's a very short book in in the Bible. Uh, It's the only book uh, that Paul wrote uh, directed specifically at one person, uh, although he mentions a couple other people. But rather than a church, he's talking primarily to this this man named Philemon. And I want to give you some context before we look at this passage. Uh, Philemon was apparently a, a wealthy man who owned at least one slave. And the slave's name was Onesimus. Now keep in mind this is the first century. Many of us when we hear that word slave, we think New World slavery, where people were kidnapped and and, 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 and taken to be slaves. This is different in the first century. Oftentimes people would become slaves because they couldn't pay a debt. And rather than go to prison for not being able to pay off their debt, they would become an indentured servant to somebody. They would live with that person and do that person's will, that person's bidding, until they could pay off their debt. We know from the first century you had slaves who were teachers, who would teach the household kids. You had slaves that were accountants. You had slaves uh, that were even doctors, okay? So this was a common thing in the first century. Philemon, we're told, is a godly man, and he has a slave named Onesimus. And Onesimus is apparently not a believer, and he runs away from his master. Now, he can get in the big trouble for this. He could be in prison for not fulfilling his, his, his debt, um, and so he runs for shelter uh, to the Apostle Paul. P- Apostle Paul in house arrest at this time. Uh, and he finds the Apostle Paul to ask for help. And the Apostle Paul tells Onesimus about Jesus. And Onesimus gives his life to Christ. So then the Apostle Paul writes this letter, this letter called Philemon, to ask Philemon to receive Onesimus back and to be gentle with him. And to show him grace. So that's what the book of Philemon is written for. And we read this in, 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 in chapter one. It's really only one chapter, but verses four and six say this. Again, he's talking to Philemon here, and this is a, a, apparently a friend of the Apostle Paul. He says, I thank my God always when I remember you in my prayers, because I hear of your, your love and, and of the faith that you have towards the Lord Jesus and for all the saints. Again, talking to Philemon here, and he says, I pray, listen to this, that the sharing of your faith may become effective for the full knowledge of every good thing that is in us for the sake of Christ. So let me break this down a little bit. First, he he challenges Philemon to share his faith. Uh, We don't know exactly what happened here, okay? Uh, This is speculation, but maybe something that happened is the Apostle Paul asked Onesimus, hey, Onesimus. Uh, did Philemon ever talk to you about Jesus and tell you about this Jesus and the hope we have? And, and, and maybe Onesimus uh, was like, Nah, man, yeah, I, didn't, I never heard uh, about this Jesus. And so uh, Paul writes Philemon saying, hey, man, share your faith. And then notice why he says we should share our faith. He says so, so that you have the full knowledge of every good thing that is in us. In other words, Paul is saying that when we share our faith, we experience every good thing that we have in Christ. And let me just ask us and, and, and take a time out here for just a second. When was it the last time you, you shared your faith with somebody? You know, maybe some of us would say, it's, it's been a while. Maybe some of us would even say, I've never done that. And yet the Apostle Paul is saying, when we share our faith, we experience every good thing that God wants for us, has for us in Christ Jesus. Now, I don't have time to talk about what every good thing is, but let me give you a few uh, uh, examples of of what Paul might mean by that. You know, one, he might mean just joy, just joy. You know, when you share your faith, there's a joy that comes with that. In fact, I would argue there's nothing more exhilarating you can do on earth than share your faith and tell somebody else uh, about this Jesus. I remember being on an airplane with somebody one time and I could tell this person was gonna talk, you know, was gonna want to talk, and and uh, there was even this like prompting in my heart to talk to this person. But I'm not gonna lie to you. At the same time, I, I was just like, maybe I could just pretend to be asleep and kind of, you know, roll over, and then I won't have to to talk. But the God was just putting it on my heart, like prompting, like, "Nah, you need to you need to talk to this person." So I did, and I noticed he had like some kind of religious book in his hand, some kind of Eastern, uh, I don't know, text, and. He started asking me, you know, questions and 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 see when you're a pastor, it's a little easier because here's a little tool that you can always do as a pastor. You just say, So so tell me, what do you do for a living? And then they tell you what they do for a living, and then what do you think the natural (laughs) response back is? So what do you do for a living? I'm a pastor. And then there you go, and I have my opportunity. And I got to share my faith with this person. And I'm not going to say that this person made like a decision, you know, on, the, on that flight. But um, just getting to share my heart with this person and tell this person what Jesus had, had done in my life. Uh, friends, I, I was as high as that, that plane. Getting off, you know, just knowing that, that seeds had been planted in this person's life, telling them about Jesus. It, it, it led to, to, to great joy that God had chosen to use me to share Jesus with this, this person. And so I just believe joy, if, if you're feeling a little joyless, maybe this, especially with everything going on in our world, start looking for somebody you could share your faith with. You might be surprised the joy that that brings into your life. And then, and then it brings us to this one, purpose. You know, when we share our, our faith with someone, it, it gives us a great sense of, 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 of purpose. So many of us feel like our lives are just like meaningless and, and we're not even sure. Like, are we especially in this time of COVID where many of us aren't going into maybe a workplace, that just like can feel useless, but you're not. You've been given the highest calling of anyone on planet earth. You have a high calling. You have a great purpose in this world. And that's not, that's not self-help. That's not me just trying to give you some perspective. This is what Christ tells us. Don't follow me. I will make you fishers of people. I've given you a mission to be my witnesses. And so what would happen if you started seeing your workplace as a mission field? What would happen if you started seeing your neighborhood as a mission field? What would happen if you even started, some of you, your family? As a mission field, we start to see life differently. We start to see life with kingdom-minded eyes. It's all an opportunity to point people to Jesus, to the glory of God. I'm telling you, this is one way your life can be filled with purpose. not just going to a job and just, you know, earning a paycheck, but living for a higher purpose wherever God has planted you, whether that be at a job or in your home. And then, there, and then there's this one, and, and this one might sound a little weird to us, but, uh, you know, provision. I, I just believe that when we live out the mission that Christ has given us, I believe God will take care of us. And I think there's some evidence in the scriptures that, that teach that, that if you will put his kingdom first, God will take care of all of your needs, okay? Um, uh, you say, where do you see that in the Bible? Well, some of you will remember there's, there's this time where Jesus sends out his, his disciples, in, in pairs, and he basically tells them, don't take anything except the clothes on your back. You're, I'm sending you out for days, and, and, and you're just going to take the clothes on your back. Well, right before Jesus goes to the cross, he, he asks his disciples this. He wants to remind them of God's power and how God's worked in their lives. In Luke 22, we see this, and then Jesus asks them, again, his disciples, he says, when I sent you without purse, okay, meaning money, bag, or sandals, did you lack anything? Nothing, they answered. We, we didn't lack anything. You took care of all of our needs. Now, that takes incredible faith to believe that and trust that, but this is what God challenges us to do. Put my kingdom first and trust that I will take care of all those other things that you need in, in life. That's an incredible, adventurous way to live. Now, let's be honest though. Um, we, we struggle with this, the idea of sharing our faith and telling other uh, people about Jesus. And one of the reasons especially I think uh, we who have been Christians for a while uh, can, can, can really struggle is because we kind of fall into this hunkered down mentality. You know, where we just kind of want to be around with other believers and we, we just kind of want to hang out with our friends and and, and we lose our passion in our heart for sharing our faith with others. In fact, many of us kind of have this attitude, Christ is coming, you know, Christ is coming back. And so we're just going to hunker down and, and hang out because things are getting so bad in the world. You know, I don't, I'm not going to, you know, I don't want to hang out with those people who, you know, read Harry Potter or, you know, take christmas off of their coffee cups it's like you know you fill in the blank whatever that that excuse is and and so we just kind of hunker down with other christians and we end up not sharing our faith uh with with others but yeah it's interesting something that jesus says again to his followers this is when he's praying for his followers uh before he knows he's about to go to the cross we see this in John 17. He says, I do not ask, he's talking to his heavenly father here, I do not ask that you take them out of the world, father. Because that's what many Christians want. It seems like we just, we just want to go, we just want to get out of the world. And on one hand, that's understandable, but Jesus says, I'm not asking that you'll take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one, that you protect them. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. He says, sanctify them in the truth. He wants us to walk in righteousness and wants to walk in truth. He says, your word is truth. So he wants us to be people of the word. But then he says, as you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. So in other words, I'm asking, Father, not that you take them out of the world. I ask that you protect them and equip them as I call them into the world. We're not to have this hunkered down mentality and to turn our back on, on the world. Okay? We're still to live out this mission God has for us. And maybe you say, I don't know enough to be able to share my faith and to do that. Uh, I just don't know, and I don't know what your reasoning might be. But here's what I want to do with the rest of the time we have. I'm going to work through these pretty quickly. I want to talk about four approaches for sharing our faith. Four approaches for sharing our faith, and by the way, these come from a book uh, called *The Contagious Christian*. Uh, and he's got some other approaches in that book a- a- as well. But all of these approaches are based on some example we have in the Bible for how people shared their faith with others. Okay, so here's the first one, um, the confrontational approach. The confrontational approach. Uh, this, this is where you just kind of say it. You just kind of tell people uh, about, uh, about Jesus. A great example... of of the confrontational approach would be Peter. Peter just kind of said it. He didn't beat around the bush, right? In fact, at one point uh, when he's given this great sermon, uh, he's asked, what must we do to be saved? And, And Peter replied, repent and be baptized, every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. There it is. He didn't beat around the bush. He just said it. In Acts 4, he's standing before a Roman council, and he says this, salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. He's saying Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No one's coming to the Father except, I mean, he just says it. Peter could be blunt. Some of you have a blunt personality, and let me just remind you, God can use that. That's good. We need people. Who just say it how it is, okay? Uh, now let me just caution that though, the one caveat I would say: make sure you're 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 still couching it in love and grace. Um, you know, Jesus came with truth, but also grace. I, I remember working with a coworker, one of my first jobs. I just become a Christian. This coworker was driving me nuts. And one day, I just had it. And I remember I said, you are a sinner and need Jesus. Friends, that wasn't very effective, okay? Um, And of course, the extreme form of that is bullhorn guy. (laughs) We've all seen the guy on the corner, you know, repent or you're going to hell. And we all walk by, including myself, and we just roll our eyes at, at bullhorn guy. So, It's good. If God has wired you to be uh, just a more bold and and just say it how it is personality, I want to encourage you in that. If you have kids that are wired that way, I want to encourage that in them. Uh, But we also need to cushion it with love and grace. Okay, so that's the confrontational approach. The the second approach is called the story approach, or what's also called the testimonial approach. It's where you share your story, your testimony uh, with others. We have an example of this in the Bible, where a man is born blind, and Jesus comes along and heals this man. And the Pharisees are all debating, and and they're like, who is this Jesus? And um, it's amazing what the man, you know, who's just been healed, he says, he replied, you know, whether he, talking about Jesus, is a sinner or not, I don't know. Uh, One thing I do know, I was blind, and now I see. I think sometimes, friend, you and I, we put this pressure on ourselves when we're sharing our faith. Like, i got to have it all figured out. i got to have all my theology squared away. No, you don't. In fact, I just want to remind you that the Holy Spirit helps us in this. And, 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 And can I also say that there's no such thing as a perfect gospel presentation. Sometimes people act like there's this perfect systematic, like, no, there's not. If you knew the stories around here that I've heard of the way people came into the kingdom, people finally gave their life to Christ, just a simple statement can sometimes change someone's words. I I just want to undo this idea like you've got to know it all and have it all figured out. This man experienced Jesus, and he just said, I don't know who exactly, I don't have it all figured out yet, who this man is, but here's what I do know. I was blind, and now I see. And, 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 and all of us, if you're a follower of Christ, if you put your faith in Jesus, if you've received the gift of salvation, you have a story to tell. You have a past. You, you have the time when your heart changed from being a heart of flesh to being a, or a, a heart of stone to being a heart of flesh, and you became all of a sudden sensitive to all this God talk and who this Jesus is. And then how did your life change after that? And see, you can write that down. You could put that. They, they challenge you, you know, uh, people who are really good with this would say, learn to, to, to tell your story in about three minutes. What was your life like before Christ? How did you receive Christ? And then what has your life been like uh, after Christ? And, and let me say this too. You don't have to have the dramatic story. Because I think some of us think, you know, you got to have the, you, you got, it, it, what story do I have to tell If you grew up in the church, you know what, there are people who need to hear your story. Not Most people, I find, don't have the dramatic story. And sometimes it's like, if I don't have the sex, drugs, and rock and roll, you know, past, then I don't have a story to tell. Well, most people, I find, aren't sex, drugs, and rock and roll. Most people, I find, it's snacks, Doritos, and too many sushi rolls or something like that. Okay, I don't know. I, but too many people, like, it's like, it, it, I find that... There are people who need to hear every kind of story out there. And if you're a follower of Christ, if you've had your eyes opened to who this Jesus is, I'm telling you, you have a story to tell. And and so maybe that's something you could even spend this week trying to to craft, okay? Uh, And then, okay, this brings us to the attractional approach. The attractional approach is how could you live your life in such a way that people want what you have? Would you say that you're living your life in such a way and experiencing the fruits of the Spirit in your life in such a way, you know, love, joy, and peace, and all those good things, that others would see that and say, ah, there's something different about you. Uh, we see this with a man named Simon in the Bible. He was known as Simon the Sorcerer. You can read about this in, in the book of Acts. Um, Simon the sorcerer, he sees the disciples, and and by the way, Simon the sorcerer had a great influence on people. He was apparently this great magician who could do these miracles, and people were following Simon the magician, but he sees the disciples go by and starts seeing the things the disciples could do, and Simon said, I want that. It tells us he actually became a believer in Jesus himself. But then he makes the mistake of asking one of the disciples, he's he's like, hey, can I buy the Holy Spirit from you? Because I see the power you have. I want that. They rebuke him. They're like, you just need to put your faith in in, in Christ. But even this great influential person who had apparently a great business operation going on, I mean, he wanted what the disciples had. And I just wonder, would people look at our lives and want what we have, there, there, um, I have a friend here, uh, he's, he's moved away from the church, uh, but he actually used to be on staff at one point, and he, he, his kids played sports with another family here from Edinburgh, and he just noticed there was something unique about this couple. They had a joy to them, uh, a hope that he just couldn't put, he, he, he didn't understand, and he actually asked them one day. I, said, well, I just noticed there's something different about you. What is it? And they said, they said two things. They said, well, we have a, we, we, we're Christians. We've, we put our faith in this Jesus and we love Jesus. And they said, we have a, an amazing church family that we're a part of. And so he came to church, gave his life to Christ, and he's been following Christ ever since. And again, he's been, he was a part of our church. He was on staff at one point and has, has since moved. But what an incredible story. Just seeing something different. In another believer in wanting what they have. Are we living our lives that way? It got me thinking about that this way. Would people see that in me? Uh, but that's the, uh, the, the attractional approach, which brings us to the last one I want to talk about, which is the invitational approach. And that's what, that's what this couple did. They invited him to church. All of us can, can do this, it's just a, a simple invitation. And it doesn't have to be church, it could be a conference, it could be a camp. Uh, but I like church, because if you invite them to church and they get plugged in, now they have a church family. One of the things I've always hated is sharing my faith with someone. Someone comes to know Christ, and then you don't have anywhere to plug them in, and they're just they're floundering, and you can't walk with them. So I love this idea of being able to invite people to church. Uh, we, we have an example of this in, in, in John 4. Uh, Jesus speaks to this woman uh, in, in the town of Sychar. She's a Samaritan woman. Really reveals some stuff in her heart. And if you remember what happens, she, she leaves the, the well, she leaves Jesus for a time, and she goes back to the town people, and, and she says, you need to come check out this Jesus for yourself. And they do. And many of them give their lives to Christ. And they say, now it's not based on what you told us. We've experienced this Jesus for ourselves. So we can invite people. We can invite people to come and experience God here in this place. And that's one of my hopes for Edinburgh, is that we will always be a church where especially on Sunday mornings, like if you were to invite someone, they would come in and they would encounter and experience the living God, the living Christ uh, in, in this place. We want this to be a place where you feel comfortable to invite. And, and now in this time of COVID, maybe that's even inviting to watch online or uh, sharing a message or, you know, one of our services online, something like that. And so you've got these different approaches. Um, but let me say this before I wrap it up here. You know, where this all has to start is with prayer. And I just want to ask you this question. Honestly, when was the last time you just prayed for somebody that you personally know, someone specific, to come to know Jesus? A neighbor, you know, maybe a family member, maybe it was even someone in your family, maybe even a child. When was the last time you prayed, God, open? Because I just believe without prayer, we're not going to be very effective. I know somebody here at the church who um, was was addicted to drugs and, and was caught up in the drug the, the, the drug life. In fact, this person was um, suicidal and, and and really was already planning on how to end it but said, you know, I'm going to end it by just doing drugs. And so one night, this person took as many drugs as they could get their hands on and uh, almost, almost, almost did die. In fact, a friend of theirs would die a few weeks later after this. Um, but something happened as this person was was overdosing on these drugs. He, he had, like, a wake-up moment where he came to his senses and he realized there's something more. God has something more for me than this, than what I've been living. And I know, I know this story is true because that, that's my story. And God just, he did something in my heart that night and opened my eyes to something that my eyes hadn't been opened to before. And I just realized there's something to this God, and so I started exploring. I started seeking. In fact, I called up a friend, a buddy of mine. I hadn't seen this friend for years. He was a childhood friend, but I knew he went to church. And I said, "Hey, I know we haven't talked for years, but would you take me to church with you?" He was all excited. And he said, "Yeah, I'll pick you up on Sunday, and I'll take you." And so he took me to this like youth event thing at his church. And I don't remember exactly what the speaker was saying. Uh, I don't remember exactly what he talked about. I just remember he's, he he said God loves you. He said, God knows everything about you. He knows about your sin. He wasn't surprised by any of it. And he still welcomes you into his arms. And friends, I knew two things in that moment. I knew one, I was a sinner who didn't deserve God's love. In fact, it's still, I'm going to be honest with you. Even to this day, I struggle being able to receive this truth that God loves me. I knew he was a holy, holy God and I didn't deserve to be in his presence. Yet at the same time, I knew he was my only hope. And here, this this person was telling me his arms were open so that a sinner like myself could come and be welcomed into the family of God. And we went into this time of worship, and I just remember I bawled my eyes out. I was such a mess, I had to walk out of the room. I've heard pastors say since then that, that sometimes God undoes us, that he ruins us. I know what they mean by that. I was ruined. I was ruined. And what I mean by that, I was never able to shake God again. Because there were days where I wanted to go back to the drugs. Because sometimes life got hard and I was like, I'm just going to go back to my past. I'm going to go back to the drugs. But I was ruined by God. I, I, couldn't, I couldn't shake it. I, I knew he was my only hope. And so I just kept following this Jesus. I just kept following this is Jesus and learning. And by the way, I didn't have it all figured out. I knew very little theology. I knew very little Bible. I just knew enough to know that God saves sinners like me. And I want him in my life. But I tell you that story because here's the miracle in all of it. Friends, the night... The night before I called up my friend and said, well, you take me to church with you. A group of buddies that I hadn't seen for years gathered in a small group and they prayed for me specifically that my eyes would be open to the love of God. And I called them the next day. It's not just my life that was changed. All of them would tell you their lives were changed by that. Friends, it starts with prayer. Who do you need to start praying for today? But be warned when you do, God's gonna give you opportunities to tell them about Jesus and he wants you to be prepared. Let me pray for us. Oh, Heavenly Father, thank you. You're so good. You're so good to us. Thank you that you save sinners, no matter what our story is. You save us. You save us from ourself. You save us from this world. And you promise us eternal life and hope with you, God. And there is nothing better on earth. I just pray we would take a second just to reflect on that. And remember, there is nothing better. There's no better gift that we could have than Jesus himself in a relationship with our, with our God. And there's others that need to hear about that, Lord. I'm going to pray that as a church, you would give us opportunity to tell people about this Jesus. Use in our life whatever approach you know is best, but help us to be prepared and help us to be ready and help us to have a desire to see that happen. And maybe there's some of us today that come in here and we need that eternal hope. If that's you, I want you to know God's arms... (laughs) are open to you this morning and they're stretched wide and just like me all those years ago, God's saying, I know. I know who you are. I know what you've done, but I welcome you into my arms, into my love, into my family. And I can start making you new again. And if that's you, just say, Jesus, I want what you've done for me. I, I know you died on the cross to pay for my sin. Will you take it? pay for it there and will you start making me a new creation and teach me how to walk in your love and equip me so I can tell others this good news. Father, we pray this in your name.